operating a storage function or a manufacturing function, but people that are coming into office space on a daily basis and investing in the community around them vis-a-vis wanting to shorten their commutes. I think there is a true residential investor opportunity adjacent to some of these sites. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason J. Lou Lewis, and I'm excited for today's episode as we are getting to dive into the commercial real estate aspect of things, primarily the office leasing world. It's one of those things that people all the time are asking, how has COVID affected the office space? And there isn't a better person that I know to get on here to dive in to what she's seen and experienced with COVID and the office leasing world and what she projects will happen both for investors or if you're a company and you have office space yourself and looking maybe for a renewal and how to handle that in the upcoming uh, months. No one better than Whitney Hake. I'm excited. Whitney serves as Senior Vice President, Transwestern's Denver office. She's focused on the landlord representation, primarily in the Southeast Denver and downtown Denver markets. But in general, she's an awesome commercial real estate broker and advocate, and I'm excited to have her on. Welcome. Thanks, Jason. So yeah, let's uh, normally kind of dive in and say, ask the question of how'd you get in the real estate game? And in this aspect, how did you fall into the, the niche of the office world? <laughs> I joke with folks that I am a one trick pony. So I studied real estate, Baylor University in my undergrad. And then I went to the University of Denver and got a master's in real estate um, shortly thereafter. So I came into commercial real estate brokerage in 2009, 2010, which was a crazy time to start my career in the industry because a lot of people were running away from it. Very similar to what we see today in 2022. A lot of people over the past two years have ran away from commercial real estate, um, office leasing in particular, because of the COVID environment. But I have found that commercial real estate and office buildings as a discipline is really well matched with my skill set. I believe in differentiating buildings and projects and our services vis-a-vis marketing. Um, Our team really leads Denver and commercial real estate marketing truly on a national level. So we have a full-time graphics designer on our team. And she and I both believe that every building has a story, every development a story, and there should be a branding base so that if you're an investor and you have a 100% leased building, something like COVID comes along and you're building 60% leased overnight, the market isn't hearing about your building for the first time. So we like to make sure that every single one of our clients is represented in the marketplace, whether they have a huge problem like a large chunk of vacancy or they, they're full, but the messaging still needs to exist about what's a differentiator within their four walls. So office leasing has been very good to me over the past 13 years. And 
we're all motivated by money. So commissions and fees aren't bad either, but I really think it's the marketing and a technology-based approach that it, that keeps me engaged with office leasing. And once I established a name for myself and created a book of business that was my own, it, it seems to grow in all of the right directions. And our clients really believe in the platform that we've built. And it's more of a symbiotic relationship than broker versus property manager, broker versus investor. I, I feel like we seek very strong alignment with our clients. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to have you on here. I, I see the broker alerts from all the different brokerage companies here in Denver. And by far, you guys are leading the charge of the ones that pique my interest. You know, you see that and you're like, Ooh, what, what's going on? You guys have by far the best subject lines and the, and the just overall marketing. And you kind of name the buildings, you put like a personal touch to them versus it just being a sterile office space. And I think during, especially during COVID, that's definitely required. And the other is, is that I think the highlight to bringing you on is also just knowing when you got into the game, when everyone was exiting and you were able to rise to the top when people were leaving and use that to your advantage. I think whether you're in commercial or mortgage or investing or whatever, just if you literally just put your head down and focus and put your 13 years in and work hard, you can make it through a COVID type of deal. And I have no doubt that you will take advantage even to this when everyone else is is running. So I think that's no matter what sector you're in and you're listening to this is just showing that everyone says in 08, 2010, like, oh my gosh, office leasing. Oh my, that must suck. And reality, it was a great opportunity. And I think COVID people are saying that again for the office. So yeah. And I just, if we can even jump into have what you think of this office leasing world. I mean, everyone's like, oh my gosh, I would hate to be an owner right now, but there's got to be the investors got to be some opportunity out there. I'm guessing. I think there's a lot of opportunity. I think one of the silver linings that's going to come out of COVID is people are really taking a step back, especially as it relates to urban cores and asking themselves, like, what is the highest and best use of any piece of real estate? Because there is so much momentum in the industrial space. There's so much momentum in the multifamily space. You know so much more about residential than I do, Jason. But I think seeing some conversions, I draw a lot of inspiration from the coast, whether it's New York, San Francisco, Washington, DC. Um, we in Denver are pretty slow to adapt, but I think some of the conversions of hotels to office space or office buildings to apartment buildings, I think that that's a really unique period in time where people are betting on the urban core, but it may not be traditionally what it's looked like in the past. But I see that as a moment of reinvention. The market as a whole, I would say the suburbs feel relatively normal. They're probably 75% back from a utilization perspective. We've really had to separate occupancy and utilization over the past two years. Occupancy is how full is a building as on a piece of paper, on a rent roll. And then utilization is how many people are fobbing into a building on a daily basis. So we've seen as high as 75% utilization in the suburbs throughout COVID, truly just depending on the function of your business and are you client facing or are you 
able to work effectively remotely. Downtown has been a different story, which it's so interesting because pre-COVID, a ton of the momentum was tech-based and so much of the momentum was downtown. So downtown utilization is somewhere between 15 and 35%, maybe 40% in that's, in that's pretty. That's pretty crazy number. Fifteen. I when yep. I heard fuh, I would have guessed fifty. Fifty. Uh, no. But to hear fifteen, so you're saying that you know, let's just say there's a, a hundred employees of a company and that have key fobs that you're seeing fifteen of those throughout the month swiping that security. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So downtown does have some more exposure, not to get too, I guess, political, but downtown is also facing a lot of homelessness. And I think that's a deterrent for people to get back into office space. But at the same time, if you have more bodies in and out of downtown on a daily basis, that seems to help some of the homelessness not be as aggressive as they are today. So it's a, we're caught in a little bit of a cycle and for everybody, we want COVID to become an endemic and not a pandemic. And I'm very much looking forward to that point in time, but it's interesting to me, the product types and the conversions that are slowly happening in Denver. My most active listing in 2021 was an urban flex property. And we attracted a lot of office users to that particular development because it's adjacent to Rhino and priced below Rhino. And it offers a hybrid in a central location. And that's irreplaceable. No one else can afford to build central flex property because land prices are too high. And this particular site has some really cool historic undertones. So we are seeing a great amount of demand for urban flex. I think that's definitely drafting off of the industrial revolution that's been brought on by COVID and e-commerce. And I'm a believer in office space long-term. I think owners were already reinventing their office buildings and the amenities mix pre-COVID. That's, that's more important now, but harder to justify when vacancy rates are rising and Rental rates have held for the most part, but if COVID goes on too much longer, it's hard to n- deny a depression in rental rates. For sure. And, and, and traditionally, commercial lags behind residential six to 12 months simply with the market up or down simply because residential leases are one year, whereas traditionally commercial are three to five. So you kind of have that, that lag because... It just takes those leases to kind of time to work themselves out. Then you kind of see what what's happening. So I'm guessing that COVID being a few years back, you're starting to see those three, five, seven-year leases now starting to come due and you're going to start seeing those decisions being made. And if COVID is still around, it might cause some of those people to maybe hesitate. Then if it was got a little better, they might, hey, let's let's renew or, or such. So yep. one, one little random thing that I've been seeing some people kind of advertising that they're focusing on or some of their buildings is like a, a flex usage. And I've seen it in, in uh, Atlanta and stuff where essentially like you 50% of the time you have your employees come in. So they're, they're trying to find two tenants for the same space since everyone doesn't their laptops and they plug and play 
and their hot desking or hotel, you know, space type of use where you kind of, you come in and it's just a daily use. Are you seeing that at least here in Denver or any of your clients that have, that are national clients that have property elsewhere, where they're converting it to two tenants where one tenant has it Monday to Wednesday and another one Thursday to Friday or such. And do you see that ever happening in the market? We've played with it at industry, which is a more of a lifestyle office building and less concentrated on large footprints and longer term leases. The hard part about that from a boots on the ground perspective, I always try to avoid deals that are contingent on another deal because then you have to you have to close both or you close none. Yep. So finding those those two needles in a haystack that can operate their businesses in concert like that is is really unusual. So we've put it out to the marketplace in Rhino at industry and it definitely fell on deaf ears. I would say there's demand for furnished space. So your your comment about plug and play is very, very accurate and valuable in the eyes of tenants. Tenants are just looking... If they're making an office leasing decision right now, they're looking to extract as much value as possible. So whether that's furniture, whether it's rent credits, whether it's bonus commissions or free parking. One thing similar, Jason, to the desk sharing scenario that you described that we have actually implemented across many of our buildings is carpooling gates. So tenants downtown where parking can be $300 per space per month are hesitant to pay those rates if they're only utilizing that parking once or twice a week. And so one office space will over-issue parking fobs, but the gates are now sophisticated enough that it won't it won't let all of those fobs for that particular tenant into the gate at one period of time. So you're only paying for half the parking spaces that you have fobs for. But the idea is Sally and Tim are coming in on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Joe and Bobby are coming in Tuesday, Thursday. So that's a creative way that owners have adapted to solve for the lower utilization and limit those parking costs for tenants. But getting those two deals to sign up at the same time and be functional around each other is is a challenge in my eyes. Yeah, I, I was thinking of that, but I was like, that's why I wanted to ask the question. I've been yeah. seeing people market it, different mm-hmm. brokers I know that run brokerage shops and saying how that's the new up and coming thing. But I'm like, that sounds kind of buzzy to me that I don't foresee it getting traction, but it it gets people to maybe talk about it and then they hook them on just a normal space or this or that. So that's kind of what I anticipated, but I do like the parking. I mean, parking, and that's why people don't want to go downtown and it makes Mm -hmm. sense. So you're paying 300 bucks and that top tier employee, especially in today's, you know, staffing, issue and shortage to attract that person. They're not want to have issues with parking. So, but then you can't afford 300 bucks a month if they're only going to use it a few times. So that's the creative stuff I like to see. And I think naturally that's the landlords that are going to kind of rise to the top are going to be doing stuff like that. So maybe buying a building at a discount that's not getting parking revenue and implementing something like that. And then all of a sudden you kind of push that five cap to a five and a half cap simply because of parking creativity. Yeah. So yeah. 
at 300 bucks a month when you have as many parking spaces, some of these do, and it's, you're not getting that at all. And when you can get it, that can 300 bucks a month times a couple hundred spaces, at least that's a decent little pop. So mm-hmm. any other, before we take a quick break and then come back to the final five, any other kind of creative things you're seeing happening in the office leasing world that investors or tenants themselves or owners that currently have uh, could maybe utilize or take advantage of? I think the combination of industrial or anchoring future developments with industrial function and then building office on top of it is so, so powerful. And we're seeing a lot of the conversions in the super tight industrial markets like New Jersey and New York City. But I would love to see some of that type of space created from from a spec perspective or ground-up development here in Denver. Because I know Core and Shell Industrial is gravitating towards being amenitized. And I know so many office users don't just need office space any longer. So I think there's a really cool placemaking opportunity in neighborhoods like Sunnyside, where you've got you know some of that core industrial abutted with a great residential neighborhood, and it's still centrally, centrally located. I just think that is a winning strategy for who, whomever can deploy it and get enough scale to do so. Yeah. So talk about a little bit about the industrial aspect. Are you talking like full drive-in doors, dock highs, 53-foot semis, or are we talking a flex user that's a tech company that's got a product and they just need some warehouse space, that type of kind of industrial? It's more the latter. And I also think too, throw throw some life sciences in there, throw some light lab space in there. The, the loading, depending on the site, could be as large as semis and you could build that into your foundation. But I think on average, the, the true needs of these users that are willing to pay really high rates, like 25 triple net compared to typical industrial rates, 10 triple net, really only need like box trucks. They do need a loading function, but not for a semi per se. And if you're a residential investor, you're talking kind of sunny side and how that's happening in some of these urban kind of cores or just the tertiary, just on the outskirts. If you're a residential investor or developer, any tips you would think to go and maybe buy around these up and coming areas that you're talking about, New Jersey and New York and places that have a tighter and are implementing this, is there, you see any advantage of potentially doing that? Definitely. I mean, the areas around these developments that are occurring on the coast are depressed residential areas. And I think by virtue of having a hub of employment and people that are not only, you know, loading and unloading trucks and operating a storage function or a manufacturing function, but people that are coming into office space on a daily basis and investing in the community around them vis-a-vis buying lunch or wanting to shorten their commutes, I think there is a true residential investor opportunity adjacent to some of these sites. Yeah. It's at least sunny side here in Denver. That, that yeah. area is, was strictly industrial and, and it just happened to just pop on their residential side because of just proximity to downtown naturally. Mm-hmm. But I think if you start doing some of those 44th and Jason areas, you know, start 
turning over and this happening, like you're talking about, that's even going to push that residential up, you know, even more. So a lot of opportunity. I think what I'm seeing too now, which is really, really cool for my clients, it might be old news to residential investors, but we're actually working with acquisitions folks from out of state to track like the 5280 trail loop, that's still five years in the making. But to have property adjacent to to a trail system in Denver is really powerful, whether it's commercial property or residential property. So we're actually seeing some acquisitions officers develop relationships with municipalities in and around downtown or even west towards the mountains to identify where the next spurs of those trail systems are going. And then that's where they begin their search for scale is along those trail systems because an indoor outdoor lifestyle is so important to Colorado. For sure. I mean, you don't have to look any further as a perfect example as Bentonville, Arkansas for that. I mean, Mm -hmm. Walton family, their investment into the biking capital of the world, essentially in middle of kind of nowhere, Arkansas. I had a client, it's a high net worth individual, big bikers, and they just bought an $800,000 spec home in Bentonville, Arkansas to go down and they're going to Airbnb it when they're not there. And they want the the gap seasons here in Colorado, the mud seasons here, they want to be able to go bike and for they'll work because they can with working remote. So they're buying in Bentonville, Arkansas, an $800,000 gap season mountain biking home. I mean, and that's spurred so much industrial and residential and And it's such an art community too there. I mean, the Walton's investment in American art is insane. Yep. Yep. And I think if Denver and different places can see the, the value of that trail system, it's huge. I'm on the committee for the Magic Dragon trail system for Lake of the Ozarks simply because I have cabin complexes down there and I want to buy more, but I want it to spec buy the land that's going to be along that trail system. And they're trying to duplicate that. And uh, it's a long battle. I mean, it's expensive and land's expensive, but whoever can figure it out, whichever cities and the people that get land and buildings along there in advance, like your clients, I think that's a super creative way to, to leverage the future potential. So mm-hmm. let's take a quick break and we'll come back with the final five. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Ecospace Real Estate. Ecospace is a Denver, Colorado-based real estate company with a national reach. They provide a unique offering called Flip Your Home, where they utilize their own internal fix and flip crews to flip their clients' homes prior to listings. Their brokerage clients gain, on average, 23000 of instant equity, which is then taken 100% tax-free. If you'd like to learn more about gaining additional tax-free equity in your home prior to listing, then please visit ecospace.com. All right. We are back from break with Whitney Hake, the master of the office leasing world. We're going to jump into the final five. First one, Whitney, what's the most creative real estate deal that you've been involved in or have seen? Creative real estate deals, man. I'm going to sing the praises. So this past year, we had an insurance company. So 2021 insurance companies really did a nationwide, no pun intended, because that's an insurance company. Um, But they got really far away from leasing office space. They said, 
Our claims adjusters don't need to be sitting next to one another. Everyone's working remotely efficiently. So we're done with office space. One of those companies was a large tenant in my Southeast suburban project called Liberty Mutual. And they wanted to downsize. They had a lot of really great furniture that was lightly used. And Cornerstone Mortgage, a new to market 50,000 foot requirement was looking for plug and play space. So my partner, John Miller, submitted an unsolicited proposal and was able to effectively downsize and renew Liberty Mutual and then plug Cornerstone Mortgage into 50,000 feet of positive net absorption in Southeast Denver. So that was a major win for the market, major win for our owner, a lot of creative deal-making acumen involved in that transaction. I like it. Sounds like a win-win for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it, All and it, off an unsolicited proposal, which is the best part, right? You always got to yep. stick your neck out there and try. Yep. Just ask. Can't mm-hmm. hurt. So That's right. Uh, the second question is, where do you kind of see the market? Normally we ask in the next five years, but with what's happening, uh, let's just shoot with where do you see this year, next year with office leasing, both on the leasing side and just office investing sector? So office investing is actually doing the exact opposite of office leasing, at least locally here in Denver. So the investors are focused on urban product, betting on the come that office occupants come back to downtown Denver. And then office leasing, most of the demand is in the suburban markets. So it's funny that the investors and the the local demand are at odds with one another. I believe that out of this whole thing, COVID, we'll see a correction, let's call it a 10 to 20% shift away from physical office space, but it's nothing drastic in my eyes. I think that the biggest threat are tech users, but what's most important to tech users is culture. And it's really hard to create culture virtually. So I think that becomes net neutral and maybe, you know, there's 10 to 20% less office users in the future, but our market was so tight pre-COVID that we can handle that type of attrition. And that means there's more than enough to go around for investors and for, for brokers. I like it. And at the end of the day, it's just, it's, it's cap rate, you know, it's just mm-hmm. what are cap rates doing and compression. We're seeing a lot of compression on cap rates. So it's actually making values go up when in reality, the vacancies are going the opposite direction. So a lot of, yeah. a lot of money out there and a lot of money wanting to be put into real estate. So I agree. What's one thing that you like to read, follow, special book, or anything that you'd like to share of people that are interested in in the office leasing or investing? Yeah, not crazy office leasing related, but I just finished Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights and I really liked it. The premise that when life gives you a green light, just freaking take it. Like, trust your gut, go for it. His story is really cool and entertaining. But at the same time, the, the overarching theme of second guessing yourself or something's too good to be true, or, you know, your one door has closed, a window's always going to open. So I really enjoyed that recently. I read it over the holidays and that was uplifting. I get, I'll check that out. I've heard good things about it. And, uh, from the guy who, you know, number one saying is all right, all right, all right. (laughs) Then, uh, that makes sense. I heard that kind of coming out. I was like, Hey, that's, he's kind of 
talking the talk and walking the walk right there. Cause yeah. I mean, that, that's who he is. So I'm uh, excited to dive into that. So what's the way that you kind of give back to the real estate world that's given so much to you this of this last 13 years of your success? Sure. Um, this is actually one of my goals for 2022. So historically, I've been involved in real estate associations and we do some philanthropic giving personally. I've challenged myself to actually give anonymously and frequently in 2022. So basically, I've been working with my business coach to put you know, set amount of money in an envelope with just something inspirational. And when I see an opportunity to give that amount of money away, that would help someone else to capitalize on that opportunity. Just from the perspective of being grateful for where I am in life and also creating good karma. That's great. I think right now you need all those good, warm, fuzzy feelings, both yourself and giving those to others. So something like that is definitely a, a win-win for everyone. So excited to ask you at the end of the year how, how that turned out. So yeah. And then uh, last question is if people want to reach out, investors or tenants maybe here in Denver want to ask some questions and, and kind of pick your brain, what's the best way we can throw in the show notes for them to reach out to you? Yeah. Please email me at whitney.hake at transwestern.com. And follow our Instagram handle um, at TW Denver Agency. Excellent. And as always, we'll throw those in the show notes so people can click on it and follow along. And yeah, I'm excited to have you on here and talk about the leasing world because we get asked about this a lot. And now I can just say, hey, here's the master. Go listen to this podcast. And she's going to kind of give you the updates of what's happening. So, and then hopefully we can have you on here in, in another year and you can give give a positive update. Hopefully, <laughs> uh, Yeah, definitely. So. I think 2022 is going to be a good one. I like it. I like it. Well, as always, my friends, until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.